News Prime Headlines is brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. Coming to you live from our studios here in Kokumlimli in Accra, this is Joy News Prime. I am MFA Apau in the headlines. For this hour, the Temo Regional Police Command arrests a suspected human trafficking syndicate at Sabripo, a community in the Greater Accra region. The two motorbikes they arrived here, that was yesterday. So they went to the house, got there. So they found up to 12 guys in there. You can see them, they were, heavy, like they were hungry, making white like they were in cell living. Seriously, that the way that the situation was so bad. Also tonight, Bank of Ghana fights back, insisting he's done no wrong and mounts strong defense of $250 million headquarters, insisting there's been no procurement. On a day, the NDC minority notified the police of its intention to occupy the central bank. And also in part two of our hotline documentary, Whispers in the Dark, who put a spotlight on the tragic phenomenon of children taking their own lives and what parents and the states could do to reduce the tragic losses. In this case, it's unique and you, you just wonder what was the person experiencing, right? Why were you not available? What could you have done differently to have helped the person? And much later, all-white meditative procession kickstarts 13th edition of the biggest street festival in Africa, Charlie Wati. And at the top of the R8, Pius Kujubaka comes up with Prime Business. An economist, Professor Ben some questions central banks' financing of government's activities between 2020 and 2022 on the economy. In the theories and then the empirical we study, the banks have that te- the tendency to identify which sectors of the economy that are performing well. So to say that you are financing, you know, government using commercial bank reserves, I, I hold a different view on that. Razak Musbao follows immediately with Prime Sports. Organian long jumper Deborah Aqua calls for support to help her return to her best after failed promise to help her undergo treatment. I'm not asking Ghana to give me the whole money in the world, like, you know, I'm saying help. I'm not saying give me, like, you know, like everything you have, like support. So let me say that, support, just a little support, because I'm already supporting myself. Joining us, Prime is live on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and all social media platforms. We're on myjoyonline.com. On DSTV Channel 421, Go TV is 125. As always, this is Joy News, and we are your home of independent, fearless, and credible journalism. Please do stay on for details. Joy News Prime Headlines was brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir.
Many thanks for your company once again. We'll start off from Zabripo, a region or a town in the Tema regional capital, and a police command there has arrested a suspected human trafficking syndicate in that community. Fifteen laptops were retrieved from the five-bedroom house where a dozen West African nationals between the ages of 18 to 30 were allegedly abused and forced to engage in cybercrime in exchange for food. Joy News, Carlos Coloni has the rest of the story. Residents speculate the 12 individuals believed to have been trafficked from the West African sub-region are allegedly being held against their will by their Nigerian captors coerced into the world of cybercrime. Disturbing signals from within these walls have left neighbors perturbed, ultimately prompting them to raise an alarm that led to apprehension of all 14 occupants. I stay behind the house that the thing is incident is happening. I just I saw one guy just waving, waving like that. But I I thought the person was making fun of me, because I never saw anybody like that. I hear their voices, but I don't know the people staying there. So the person was waving. Then I called my husband. I see somebody is like the person is making fun of me. Then my husband said, Oh, let me check. Then he looked. Then he said, No, it's like the person is calling for help. Then my husband went for ladder. At first, he climbed the wall and he saw that the person said, uh-huh. The person was making sign language like that. And the hand is shaking. It's like the person is weak, very, very weak. He cannot talk. So when he was making the sign, then my husband went for ladder and took his phone that he wanted to take picture. But because of the net in the room, the net that they used to cover the burglar proof, there's no way he can do the video. So he got down and another brother came and the person started calling for help. Then he said, call for, call, he was doing like this, call for, call for, he was doing it. So when he was doing it, then my husband said, no, he's saying that we should call for police. So he wants to go. He wants to go. So they went in calling for police. When they were calling, then he went to Accra. Then when they came out, you see them, all of them, it's like they are malnourished. They don't have enough strength to, even to watch the sun is difficult for them. You see them skinny like that. So it's, it's like they've been here for a long time. Because at times around 2 o'clock, 12 o'clock, you'll be hearing them fighting at their back. This was the scene when the combined team of police and military stormed the house on Sunday afternoon to rescue the victims following distress calls from concerned neighbors. According to the resident, the victims who appeared malnourished were being compelled to participate in cyber crime in exchange for food. Through the patrol team, the two motorbikes were arrived here now yesterday. So they break into the house, got there. So they find up to 12 guys in there. You can see them, they were maybe like they were hungry. Making white like they were in cell living. Seriously, like the way they, the situation was so bad. They brought them for whatever they are coming from, put them there, they were hungry. So if you, know, if you don't get clients, you can eat. So you have to work and then get the number of clients before you can feed you. So they are there, you are not feeding them. So he called for the help. So he wants to go back to his country. Actually, it was against their will. The boys, uh, it was against their will. Uh, what I heard from one of the boys was complaining that they were kept in there without uh, uh, food. Uh, they were kept there without food. So they were looking very pale. Assemblyman of Sebrepo Electoral Area, Prince Jacob Ajavor, confirms the incident in an interview with Joy News. When the police came, um, at a point they said they wanted to uh, take the people, the inmates, away. 
and the residents said no, they wanted to see them physically. And so they would not let the police, in fact, the, the police car came, it was a, a pickup that was not uh, branded uh, in the police uh, callus. So that made people suspected the thing, the police were going to like uh, maybe cover something. So I spoke to them, I called the commander, and then they tried to send a police um, branded pickup. And then a neighbor also called uh, some soldiers. Uh, they came uh, together, we had some uh, agreement, went to look at the, um, inspect the rooms. We counted uh, 12 young men, uh, and then the, plus their boss, maybe the, 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 the guy who was in charge of the boys in there, with about 15 or so laptops. And uh, those were carried away, we followed up to the police station at uh, MF police station. And then uh, we had, because uh, it borders on the immigration issue, they had to go to Tema. So in the evening, they and the soldiers uh, went to Tema with the boys. In light of escalating speed of crime in the area, residents who say they now fear for the lives of their kids vehemently oppose the reintegration of the West African nationals into the community. About the police there, we've lost trust in them totally. Because of yesterday, what happened here, you could see that people no longer believe in the police force again. If not for the military people that came for the intervention, I wouldn't think they would allow them to send the guys away. Bring them again. Joy News sources at the Tamar Regional Police Command say investigations have been launched into the incident. Reporting from Sebrapo here in the Ponkatamanso municipality, my name is Carlos Caloni for Joy News. And we'll follow that and bring you more updates subsequently. There's also more of that story on myjournalline.com and all our social media platforms. Away from that, he has eight days more to either resign or face a series of political actions, including the occupation of his premises by the NDC minority. In fact, today, the NDC MPs formally notified the police of their intention to protest at the Bank of Ghana HQ and to force the resignation of Dr. Ernest Addison, the governor. Well, with eight days to go, the Bank of Ghana governor is tonight fighting back, insisting he has done no wrong. In face, he declares the economy would have collapsed, but for the BOG's intervention. He also insists that there were no procurement breaches regarding uh, the building or the awarding of the contract of the BOG headquarters. The INF placed a high premium on this particular debt scenario involving that Bank of Ghana, as that was the only scenario that was going to allow the government to meet the debt threshold that would allow Ghana's INF program to proceed for board approval. The Bank of Ghana accepted this proposal on that basis, given how crucial it was to secure the fund-supported program and the benefits that would inure to the economy, as it would help to reset the economy and prevent a total collapse with much broader socio-economic implications. A Bank of Ghana board meeting was therefore arranged to get the board pass a resolution to this effect. The bank acted in good faith for the broader interest of Ghana's economy. The debt included all the legacy debts of government of Ghana dating back to 1992, including the overdraft of 2022, overdraft to Cocoa Board, the COVID-19 bond, 
and even Bank of Ghana holdings of Telecom Malaysia bonds and the Tema Oil refinery bonds issued by government. As of 2015, the accumulated claims on government and cocoa board were about 13 billion Ghana CDs. The debt, therefore, is not about recent debt alone. Almost all lending from the IMF, including the external credit facility and rapid credit facility during the COVID-19 pandemic, and financial sector resolution bonds have been presented in the recent discourse as Bank of Ghana lending to government. This is not factual. It is important to state that losses reported were technical losses arising from the haircut and the application of accounting standards, in particular IFRS 9, to estimate expected credit losses over the tenor of the government debt held by Bank of Ghana. It is not money lost by the Bank of Ghana through its operations in 2022. Rather, one should look at this as a reflection of the total cost of the economic and social crisis that the country has faced over the years and an attempt to resolve a major structural problem of the Ghanaian economy. So that's um, Governor Dr. Enes Tadis. We'll bring you more on business. But really, like I said, uh, the NDC has already served notice to the police about their intention to pick it or occupy the Bank of Ghana head office here in Accra um, until the resi- they're actually demanding the resignation of the governor of the Bank of Ghana as well as that of his deputies. We've been interacting with the National Communications Officer of the NDC, Sami Jinfi. He's been speaking to my colleague Evans Spencer on Top Story. None of the flimsy justifications he canvassed justifies the decision by the Bank of Ghana to engage in this totally misplaced priority at this time. You know, first of all, we have indicated our opposition to this project, not because we disagree in principle with the idea that the Bank of Ghana needs, I mean, a new office complex. We have opposed this project on three main grounds. The first is the timing of the project. The second is the cost of the project. And the third has to do with the processes leading to the project. And with regards to the first issue of timing, what we have said is that in this critical time, where Ghanaians are going through excruciating hardships because the Ghanaian economy has been virtually collapsed. We have, for the first time in four decades, defaulted on our debt obligations as a country. Currently, the government is imposing a draconian, punitive debt restructuring program on bondholders and government creditors. You have liquidity, serious liquidity challenges, you know, that the government as an institution is going through with its attendant hardships on the people. You cannot, in the midst of all these crises, decide that you are going to invest a hopping $250 million into an ultra-modern palatial office complex at this time.
Well, away from that, political parties, the smaller ones, are raising strong objections as they demand the Electoral Commission to reverse its decision to exclusively utilize its district offices for the upcoming limited voter registration exercise in September. The coalition of parties asserts that the EC had previously tabled similar proposals during an inter-party advisory committee meeting, IPAC, but these suggestions were dismissed due to concerns about potential disenfranchisement. However, despite these reservations and the previous agreement, the EC declared on Thursday, August 17, 2023, that it will proceed with the registration solely within its district offices disregarding the party's apprehensions. In attendance, where the representatives from GCPP, amongst others, the group says they are um, the upcoming limited voter registration exercise in September, they are against it. Now the coalition of parties asserts that the EC had previously tabled similar proposals during the IPAC meeting, amongst others. We can hear from them. Electoral Commission will embark on a voters registration exercise in all the 268 district offices of the Commission. The registration exercise will commence on Tuesday the 12th of September 2023 and end on Monday the 2nd of October 2023. The registration will take place in all the 268 district offices of the Commission, including the newly created Guan District. Each district office will serve as a registration center. The Commission staff at the district, that is the district electoral offices, the assistant district electoral offices, our secretaries and other staff will serve as our registration offices. Now we can hear from the spokesperson of the group of political parties, General Secretary for the Great Consolidated Popular Party, Citizen Atodazi, who described the EC's decision to go ahead and use their offices as a stab in the back. To educate and encourage the general public in order to build confidence and trust in the Electoral Commission of Ghana, as their work has serious implications to ensuring a free, fair and transparent electoral process and elections whose outcome will be accepted by all. All the political parties that were present unanimously objected to the registration exercise being limited to the 268 offices of the Electoral Commission as this was going to affect the participation of the general public, create unnecessary tension due to concentrated numbers that will bring unbearable costs to individuals. So it is possible that most of these are in tertiary institutions. We could easily set up registration centers at those uh, tertiary institutions to even facilitate the process of registration than limiting it to only the district offices. We also want to publicly call on the Electoral Commission through its chair, Mrs. Jane Adukwe Mensa, to rescind their decision and make the process more accessible and painless to enable the average Ghanaian who is eligible to exercise their right and entitlement to be registered as a voter. Well, so that's it. We're yet to hear from the Electoral Commission on this latest development. But we have more politics. We'll get back to it shortly. But news just coming in this evening. Uh, we're told that the Education Minister has just directed that members of CTAG who have been on strike since the 1st of August should not be paid. You'll recall that the Ministry had e- earlier issued a letter um, to GTEC and Colleges of Education uh, to start writing names of those who have not been participating in learning and teaching 
teaching activities in the various 46 colleges as a result of the strike that was embarked on by CTAC. A statement is just coming in. We'll put that on the screen for you. So this is a letter that has been written to the from the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission, GTEC, to the controller and accountant general. And it's just dated today. And what we are learning is that it's titled Non-Validation and Payment of Salary of CTAC members for the month of August 2023. We write at the instance of the Honorable Minister of Education requesting you not to pay monthly salary and allowances for the month of August 2023 to the teaching staff of all 46 colleges of education, CTAC. However, any arrears before August 2023 should be validated and paid. And it goes on to count on the cooperation and urgent action on this particular issue. And it's the, that's the director of administration signed on behalf of the director general of GTEC, Saka Sayuti. And this is copied to the Ministry of Education, the Ministry of Finance, and the principals of all colleges of education uh, on this particular uh, situation. I'm sure uh, you've been monitoring this and will definitely uh, be getting in touch with CTAG on this. And this is an issue that we've been following for some time. The NLC had ordered that CTAG goes back to the classroom. There was also some order to government to pay monies owed CTAG, but that was not done, for which reason CTAG remain on strike. They are still on strike on this whilst students in these colleges also write exams, raising concerns about their tutors not being in the classrooms. Um, so CTAC had earlier defied, uh, you know, the threat from government that if they do not work in August, they would not be paid. Now, uh, they've made, government has made good on that uh, particular uh, threat. So uh, what it looks like now is that CTAC members will not be paid for the month of August because they were not in the classrooms. We get reactions uh, from CTAC once we're able to raise the president of CTAC, Prince Obinghiming, on this, the immediate reaction to this. We'll be getting GTEC also uh, on this particular developing story here on Joy News Prime. Uh, do stay with us. But let's um, focus on our Drive Safe campaign now. And we've been asking questions about why most traffic and streetlights in the country are non-functional for some time now, especially especially those in the greater Accra regional capital. Tonight, as is emerging, that non-payment of contractors is the key reason behind this particular malfunction. I'll tell you more shortly, but first, my colleagues, Samuel Imbura and Nana Boache Dankwaiyadong, visited some spots notorious for this phenomenon and came through with this report. First, Samuel Imbura from Awoshibaniya last night here in Accra. How critical or how dire is the situation here without traffic light, without street light? How are you coping as residents? Look, the the the, the situation on I mean in Banyard as expected, Banyard traffic light is, is is so critical and so nasty. Let me use the word nasty to extend that. I mean, every single day we we, we see accidents happening. We I mean accidents both pedestrians and car being smashed and I mean, a whole lot of, you know, you know what, when we talk about road, road, road accidents, I mean, if we have to count the number of fatalities in terms of road accident fatality, we should be counting banyards, one of the main contributing factors. How long has this been the situation? I mean, ever since I've, I've, I've been here for the past four years, okay, but ever since I came here, I understand it's like six years straight. Six years straight. So have you, I, I, I mean, alerted the assembly member, all those who matter on this issue? They all know they have mentioned, they've gone to the AMA, I mean, the, the, the assembly to complain directly. The assembly came to do some assessments here and all that, promising that they'll come back and come and get uh, things done and all that. 
I mean, Joy FM even also pick um, feed from here, reporting on the issue, thinking they will come and do something about it. GTV came in, and all that, you know, all that just bought on one thing, and that is just the power pack. There's a power pack right there. That, the, there is a power pack box right there that controls this traffic light. Now we can hear from my colleague Nana Bwache Dankwa Yadom interacting with some residents of Amakum. In several communities, dysfunctional traffic lights and street lights have led to traffic congestion, wrong vehicle and pedestrian directions, motorist conflicts and prolonged travel times. The poor illumination at night and safety at road intersections have become a worry to motorists and commuters. And this traffic light always, sometimes it goes on, sometimes it goes off. And even yesterday, as one of my brother was saying, there was a, a accident here with a VIP and a motorbike. And this traffic light is the inner city traffic light from Kumasi to Ajiso and Accra. And you can see behind you, you have seen that those from Accra to Kumasi, they just stop here and watch those from Kumasi to Accra to come before they to the move because of the traffic light. And I don't know who is responsible for the traffic light to I mean, maintain or to repair when it goes off any time. Is it the road minister or is it any other institution who is supposed to do the traffic light at all times? In Kumasi here, I can tell you and I can show you that those living in Kumasi, we don't have traffic light. And it's true. This is a highway traffic light and it's off. So those from the left and those from the right, who's supposed to pass and who's supposed to wait? Hey, traffic, the BIA problem. Like traffic, we really do have a problem with our traffic lights over here. Sometimes when the drivers use the stretch, they do get confused. The BIA accident. Now the City authorities really do use the stretch, so I am really surprised as to why we have some dysfunctional traffic lights coupled with dysfunctional street lights. Well, so that's the situation in Amakum, and as my colleague Nana Bwachi Dankwayadom reports, we'll be hearing from the National Road Safety Authority on the real reason as to why we have this non-functioning traffic and street lights in most parts of the country, plus a recent data on the traffic crashes situation from January to July this year. My colleague Kofi J. Minta will join us shortly. But let me get back um, to the story that's just coming in uh, from uh, GTEC, the, the directive from GTEC to the heads of these 46 colleges as a result of the seated strike that they've been on since the 1st of August over some working conditions in spite of several calls for them to head back to the classroom. Well, it's, it's official now that they may not be paid uh, for the month of August. In fact, they will not be paid for the month of August because there's a directive uh, from GTEC to the controller and accountant general's department. Let me bring in the president of CTAG, uh, Prince Obinghima. Thank you so much uh, for your time here on Joy News Prime. So we're just seeing a letter uh, that's been written by GTEC to the controller and accountant general's department over uh, these sal your salary for August. Has this been brought to your attention? And what really is um, the reaction of CTAC to this latest development? Did you see that coming? Good evening, Member 
Let me say thank you to you for this wonderful opportunity. It came to our attention a couple of minutes ago, and uh, as a union or in, in unionized business, I think uh, this is not a common or this is not a, an unusual occurrence. At the national level, we are meeting this evening to look at it. We'll take the necessary advice from our experts who we'll look at it and then uh, explore the, 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 the best possible legal option for our members. So we are meeting on it, and then we should be able to make the best out of it for our members. Well, but earlier, we know that um, there were scheduled meetings between CTAG and then also the NLC and government for that matter. Were there no conclusions uh, to the concerns that you are raising, uh, raising and then also the meetings that you held over the period? I think uh, we had our last meeting with the NLC uh, last Wednesday, and uh, all of us were there. We are to appear before the NLC again on the 30th. You were all there, uh, the media. I think everybody heard what happened. So as I said, we are, we are meeting over it. Uh, we're going to look at the statement that has come. I mean, just suppose it with the law, look at the situation, look at the NLC and all of this, and then we should be able to make a determination by tomorrow, God willing. Is CTAC surprised at this latest development? Uh, we, we aren't much surprised because, I mean, like we said, when you take some of these uh, actions, these are the probable situations that you are likely to encounter. So uh, for us as a union, this is not the first time. 2018, uh, we have to endure a similar thing before what we wanted we had. So we, we weren't much surprised. Make you call off your strike. Hello, I beg your pardon. I'm asking if this particular action will lead to the end of CTAC strike. It doesn't rest with me, the president. It rests with the entire association and the collective decision of the association on the matter is that that will matter. Okay. We're grateful. That's um, CTAC president Prince Obinghima. And uh, currently, he says um, the group is uh, taking a look at this uh, latest directive. Uh, thankfully, we have the deputy director of GTEC, Dr. Ahmed Jinapo, joining us live. Thank you so much uh, for your time here on Joy News Prime, Doctor. Let's uh, find out really the reasoning behind this uh, particular decision that has been taken uh, by GTEC through. I'm sure this is on the orders of the education minister. Um, can you give us a bit of insight into what really is the objective of this? Well, I think uh, basically uh, CTAG have had some kind of engagement with government through GTEC relative to some areas that needed to be paid them because they've been teaching all year round. In principle, government uh, agrees to pay them uh, all the necessary arrangements have been put in place to get them paid. And if you look at the letter that you just referenced, the letter uh, is very categorical with that. All areas that is due CTAC should be paid for this month, uh, uh, should be paid this month, excluding that of August salary. That being, in August, they, they didn't go to work. And uh, as you rightly pointed out, there have been countless times that the Honorable Minister have invited them for meetings to try as much as possible to even listen to his side of the story, but they, they, they refuse. And we think that that has not been uh, a good way to go in the sense that uh, notwithstanding whatever grievances that you have, you need to work within the spectrum of the law. In fact, National Labor Commission did direct them, and they refused. So I think uh, it's a lesson to all of us that you may have legitimate concerns, but those concerns need to be channeled 
and situated within the context of the rule of law. So the letter is very clear. Uh, uh, they are going to be paid the arrears, but this month they didn't work, and as a result, uh, their salaries are not going to be paid. Okay, so um, just a bit of clarity. Uh, you, you mentioned, at least, you made reference to that portion of the letter, that, however, any arrears before um, September, August, I should say, uh, will be paid. Does it include the concerns that they are raising, for which reason they are on strike? Uh, because the NLC had ordered government to make those payments, and it wasn't done, for which reason they are on strike. So with this payment that will be made, does it include the demands that they are making? Exactly so, exactly so. And as I did indicate, there have been arrangements to get this this arrears, so to speak, paid as part of August was salary. And they were called to the table, but they refused to heed to the call. And as I did indicate, the reason why they went on strike is what is going to be fulfilled in this year's, uh, in this month's uh, 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 payment. So for them not to go to classroom, uh, for the calendar to be disrupted one way or the other, is what we think needs to be uh, kept in future. So, uh, if, if they had heeded to the call by the Honorable Minister for them to sit on the table, uh, all the grievances would have been addressed. And the question that you posed to them, that, uh, the, to the President, that will they be calling off their strike? I think it's automatic. The reason why they are on strike is because their arrears have not been paid. And if these arrears are paid, they have no justification not to go back to the classroom. But, but really, uh, let me find out. We know that um, there were concerns. We had asked them whether this strike is particularly illegal or not. Um, there was no clear directive really on that because the NLC had directed government to make some payments and it wasn't done. Now that it's been done, I'm wondering, CTAG maintains that they were on a legal strike and they are exploring all the options legally available to them in terms of why government is not paying them. Is government ready uh, for any legal action if they would be able to do that. My sister, the legality or otherwise of a strike is determined by the body that is close to the powers to do that, which is the National Labor Commission. The National Labor Commission invited them. They refused to appear before them, notwithstanding the fact that the National Labor Commission had directed government to take certain actions or to take certain steps towards they coming back to the classroom. They, their responsibility and almost lied on them to go back to the National Labor Commission to complain to the National Labor Commission that government had reneged on the promise that it was directed to, to deliver. That notwithstanding, in this current dispensation, as I did indicate, steps have been taken to address all their concerns. At the end of the day, the issue at stake is how do we get a solution to whatever concerns that they had. And this letter in itself is indicative of the fact that government is working and will have worked to make sure that those arrests are being paid. And these arrests are going to be paid this month. So I don't think it's, it's about whether they were right or wrong. The body that they referenced has been the body that directed government to ensure that all their grievances are addressed. They refused to accede to the call of that body. Mm. And so I think there... this is a lesson to all of us. So briefly, will there be further actions apart from withholding their salary for August? Should they not call on the strike and it enters September, uh, they will continue to fulfill their salaries? Well, I, I wouldn't be able to speak to that. All what we know for now is that their arrears are going to be paid. The reason why they are on strike, the issue is going to be addressed. Once that issue is addressed, we believe the right thing to be done is for them to go back to the classroom and to continue to engage GTEC or to continue to engage government. 
Okay. The issues that they have, those issues are not going to be solved immediately. Mm. Issues will keep on coming up, okay. and the only way to address those issues is engagement, dialogue, and discourse. Okay. But when you take an entrenched position, that you are not even going to accept an invitation to sit on the table, to speak, or to put your grievances on the table, then I think that's the wrong approach. Okay. And that is what we are trying to avoid. We'll leave it here for now. Uh, thank you so much for making time to be with us. Professor Ahmed Jinapole is the Acting Director General of GTEC. And we'll take a quick break here on Joy News Prime. We'll return with more stories. Please do stay with us. feels like becoming an entrepreneur aside academics is never going to be possible when you're in school. Mainly because we feel that we are young and we don't have the resources and the guts to be one. But if you believe in yourself and you have the passion to become an entrepreneur, then you already are. Staying ahead in a highly competitive environment requires applying creativity and innovation to every aspect of your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. Presently, entrepreneurship is driven by creativity and innovation to attain business objectives. The explosion in technology, business, entrepreneurship, and consumption in this new era is as a result of the ongoing application of innovation. Milton Bell once said, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. So, if you are ready to be an entrepreneur, Heritage Christian College is ready for you. Heritage Christian College moves you from a wantrepreneur to become an entrepreneur. Hey, Charlie, what number? The malaria really knocked you down, eh? Hey, Charlie, no joke. Fever, headache, vomiting, loss of appetite. I couldn't even eat my usual fufu. <laughs> <laughs> you and your fufu. But I hope you got it tested before the malaria treatment. Yes, I did. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out malaria one time. When malaria strikes, take Mala 2, containing Arthemeter and Lumefantrine. Comes in tablets and suspension for effective treatment of malaria. Great to have you back. Thank you. No problem. Mala 2 is suitable for adults and children. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. My name is Tina. I am a person living with HIV. I got to know my HIV status after I gave birth and lost the child because of HIV. In those days, prevention of mother-to-child transmission services had low patronage due to fear and stigmatization. Today, many HIV-positive women have delivered negative children. I follow the guidelines and take my HIV medicine called ARVs every day as prescribed by my doctor. This makes me strong and healthy and also prevents me from passing HIV onto any future child. Please, avail yourself of PMTCT services when pregnant. It is the only way to ensure you do not pass the HIV onto your baby during birth or pregnancy. If you have tested for HIV recently and it was negative, test again when pregnant. If you have tested positive, go to the hospital after birth as directed by your healthcare provider. Your baby will be given medicine immediately and tested.
to ensure baby and mother are well. Let us work together to have an HIV-free generation. Our children must be free to shine. Welcome back. This is Joy News Prime. Now, the tragic phenomenon of children taking their own lives is a heart-wrenching issue that has become increasingly prevalent in recent years. These young lives are extinguished far too soon, leaving families, communities, and the entire country grappling with the aftermath. It's emerging that excessive academic pressure driven by high expectations from parents and educational institutions and coupled with parents who do not pay attention to the traits that their children exhibit can push the children to the brink. We have part two of our hotline documentary, Whispers in the Dark, by my colleague Ohiming Terrier. Jared was a stellar student and academically disciplined who maintained an academic GPA of 4.0. He was awarded a Triton College Scholarship Program scholarship after high school in 2019. His parents and siblings who are yet to come to terms with his death, have been left in a state of confusion. Death is death, but suicide death is a different death. Why is it different? Because the loved ones left behind are left to ponder as to why. You can blame it on anybody, but yourself or somebody. So it's, that's why it makes it a unique death. If somebody killed or if they had a car accident, you can just say, oh, he was on his way to a different town and then he got, you know, rear-ended or T-boned by another vehicle and so he died of a motor vehicle accident. But in this case, it's unique and you, you just wonder, what was the person experiencing, right? Why were you not available? What could you have done differently to have helped the person? And then you just keep wandering it never ends and the pain i just just can't describe little did the family know jared described as a complete student was battling with depression a mental health condition from his teenage days something he kept from his relatives he did actually start experiencing that and you know he never discussed it but just combing through his stuff and some of the notes that he had left was able to confirm that he was battling depression and suicidal thoughts and he didn't know how to share it. Uh, but I quite remember that he was, although he was very enthusiastic, he was one of the kids that was very shy and almost very isolative in most instances. So all the time I had to call him to come out and do stuff. But I never connected the dots because he came out, he'll do what he needs to do. But I didn't realize that when he was alone, 
he was struggling with his mind. He was battling his mind and he was in a really, really dark place um, that he never disclosed. There is, however, hope for people with suicidal ideation and other mental health issues. The Mental Health Authority has introduced a life-saving intervention by offering persons who require psychosocial support the opportunity to call and receive instant advice from mental health experts. The call comes at no cost to callers. Health Minister Kwekwajimaymenu says he's aware there has been an upsurge in the number of suicide cases involving children. We are very much aware. We have a whole agency that works in that, Mental Health Authority. Some time back, this thing was coming up. There was an upsurge. And the, the chief executive of that authority actually had to talk to the nation and things like that. Uh, we need to get some reports from them at the moment. Whilst promising a nation on the situation, Mr. Menu, who is also a member of parliament for Doma Central, described as prompter details of our findings on how lives of children are being lost to suicide. We have created what we call the Psychology Council. It is working now. We are registering psychologists. Some of these challenges we need to resolve with some psychology advice and things like that. So we are head on with that. But you see, there are certain things that you wouldn't know immediately when it's mental disorders until something happens. But I think this is a prompter. Uh, we'll see how we can reconcentrate and put attentions in that respect. You definitely want to catch part two of Whispers in the Dark with Ohimenteria at 8.30. We're right back with Showbiz. Bet Investment Limited. It's time for showbiz and Rebecca Chenebua Dako is in the studio. E with Bex, E vibes Becky. Becky with the good hair. Becky only... on a Monday. <laughs> Hello, the, Becky. You're the only one who knows your... all my, you know, my the names that my parents gave me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah, Chenebua. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, so Joy Entertainment, Joy News, my Joy Online, the whole multimedia. Multimedia is a very big platform, you mm-hmm. know. See, the biggest, like, if you're any not following any, yeah, any of our platforms, please go ahead, go and do something. Just click the like buttons and all of that. That's the reason why Chaliwate, we're partnering Chaliwate this, this year. And, and they've moved it to Osu. Today, we kickstart Chaliwate. I don't the know. The white procession. Yeah. Meditative procession. You know, that's, that's the 13th edition. And that's what everybody's looking out for. Everybody's thinking, what exactly happened? Here is what happened. Currently, we are at the Osu Castle, and yes, it is the 13th edition of the Chalawate Festival. And um, when we came here, all the people were getting registered, artists were putting up their artworks, and many more. Um, today is the first day they are about to start with the procession. So, join me as we join them to procession into the Osu town. Okay, so you're about to start with the procession, and I've got a couple of diasporans here. I want to talk to them and find out why they traveled all the way to come here. So, hello, how are you doing? Hi, fantastic, how are you? I'm good. Uh, can you tell us your name? My name is Watale Buiganyo. I can't pronounce that. <laughs> and what, what's your name? I love that. Paul. 
Paul. Thanks for saving me. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> you travel all the way from South Africa to come to Ghana to witness the Chalwati Festival. Why? Because this is one of the biggest festivals of its kind in all of West Africa, so we couldn't you know, wait to come and experience it in person. We are also showcasing a film on Wednesday, so we are quite excited about that. Okay. Yeah. All right, what about you? Yeah, same thing. I am one of the actresses in the film, so we're showcasing the film, The Deal, on Wednesday. We just want to know more about it. So, Ni, um, can you tell me more about what just happened earlier? Hey, we are processing from the Christian World Council to the Osu Township. And as you can see, we have the Osu Ulomo, who is the, the principal chief Ulomo of the Osu yeah. So you need to, once you are passing to somebody's house, you need to go to the person's house and ask for permission. Okay, so that was what you did earlier? We went there for the Ulomo to pray for us so that it would be a successful procession. Okay. What is going to be any bad or any negative energy should be drive away. Okay. So we went there to pay homage uh, to the ancestors. Okay. So as, we, as you can see, we went to the Willowmore's place to pray for us so that we can have a successful possession. Okay. All right, Ni, I see you have this around your neck. What does it signify? And first of all, what's the name of it? It's called Isup. But in the local language, you call it Nyanyina. Nyanyina? Nyanyina. Okay. Nyanyina, but that is called Isup. We are used to drive away negative energies. As we, we possess through a township, we have some bad and negative, or negative energies around. So this is a, a, in spirituality, it's used to drive away negative energies and also serve as a cleanser for purification. All right. We, we also have Ms. Bell here. Ms. Bell, how are you? I'm okay. Um, so how do you see the whole procession so far? It just started. It's spiritual and it's going well, well put together. Mm -hmm. All right. And um, what is the, I see you having this one. Um, does it mean anything to you? Um, it's an African accessory, but yes, you can put um, some cleansing spirits in there. So, as we are walking, if you the energy doesn't feel right, you cleanse yourself. They have to pour libation. It is it is part of tradition that when you get there, um, you you just have to let them know that you are passing. And secondly, the fact that maybe something bad might have happened um, at that intersection. That's why you can see them shaking the bells around. So it's, a, it's also form part of invocation and oh, communication. Invo invoking or so communicating with the spirit. Exactly. Halewate Street Festival. Uh, for those of you uh, who still don't know, uh, we're on from this evening through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, it's a lot to expect. I, mean, I told you about Kofi uh, Oso Pepa last yeah. weekend and the event actually happened. Great. Time Hamilton, your favorite. Uh -huh. There's a few who missed it. Here you go. I had an answer. I don't know how I come by them. <laughs> so it's very clear that I don't I don't sit down to 
say this is going to be the idea, but I'm always trusting God to grant me ideas, and some way, somehow, he makes a way. He makes a way. But I have a good team, too. The band is great, so it makes life easier. You know, I'm that, I'm that person I always want to... I know it's quite awkward, you know, and I know that we all know that Jesus gets the glory, but I also, always want to emphasize that we are vessels and we are empty without him. We give him glory. Whatever you saw there was Jesus doing his own thing. And I want to tell you, you looking at me or watching me on Joy Prime, that God can do it through you. So Kofi also prepare right there. Also, for those of you in the U.S., Minnesota, you actually experienced the landlord. And here is how it went down. Yes. Okay. Let's move away. That's Let's good. talk about our Nigerian brother, Shake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a sold-out concert at the O2 Arena in London, and he actually came on stage in a helicopter. If I check this out. Hey, our people. Congratulations to all the musicians out there making the motherland proud. I'm sad. sad. Yes. Stoneboy. Why are you sad? I'm sad. I'm sad. I'm sad. We cannot start oh, having we can't know. start having this conversation again. So where did Sarkodie perform again, Minnesota? Sarkodie is was on, a stadium. No, it wasn't a stadium. It wasn't a stadium. It's, it, so. it's his album, you know, uh, uh, thing that what are you okay. trying to prove? Okay, I'm just I'm just hoping that we will get it. there. When? Oh well next year. <laughs> After the elections. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's wrap up. Um, it's a wrap here on Join East Prime, Monday Please, edition. Yeah, Hopefully, we'll get to the old tour readers shortly. There's more when you and log on to my journal. Who beat you? Leave us alone. There's more when you log on to my journal.com. Pio Baka is up next with Prime Business. Prime Business. We-
Hello, my name is Abeku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still need job better with Ecobank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store or the app store and discover the smart way to bank. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. Daddy, Daddy, <sighs> this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see F-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Yay! <laughs> Syntex was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Pepsodent is aware that globally, one in two children suffer from cavities. That's why by giving up Pepsodent, you're not only protecting her teeth but also helping her grow up and thrive at every stage of her life with a healthy and confident smile so she can succeed and achieve all of her dreams. Because every smile matters. My name is John and this is my long-time crush. My cookie dipped in strawberry yogurt. On this scorching hot afternoon on our way back from a long job hunt, we met this good Samaritan who offered us a ride. Six weeks later. And there she is, my cookie, dipped in someone else's yogurt. Don't be like John. Who holds the mullah, calls the shot, play game by games, the easiest lottery to play and win. It's four numbers from zero to nine up to three times daily to become one of our daily lucky winners. Dial star 946 hash to play now. Or you can also play online at www.gamepackgames.com. Game Park is regulated by the National Lottery Authority. <laughs>
there are days when you think, whoa, today I've earned it. So order a global. Days when plans run longer. What if we order a global? Or days when you can't control everything. Oh yes, because on Global, you can order anything you want. Global, you order, we deliver. Betway is your gateway to a theme park full of gaming excitement. A whirlpool of wonder where your favorite games come to life. Where you can take to the skies with max payouts that reach into the millions. All in the palm of your hand. Visit betway.com.gh. Terms and conditions apply. Betway is regulated by the Gaming Commission of Ghana. No under 18. Bet responsibly. Betway. Bet your way. Is brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. Take a simmer cement bag for your QR code. It's time you switch to Bell Park today.
Hello, a great evening to you. Warm welcome to Prime Business with me, Pius Kojobaka. To our very first story, the Bank of Ghana has maintained it took funds from existing resources to finance government's operations for last year. It is therefore rejecting arguments that it had to print fresh currencies to finance government's budget for last year. George Yaffe was at the press conference organized by the Bank of Ghana and has the rest of the story. Addressing the media at the headquarters here at the Bank of Ghana on High Street, the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ernest Addison, maintained that the decision to kickstart the construction of the new headquarters at Ridge started in 2019. The project has therefore been going on for over three years. The DDEP only took place in January 2023. If we were to be taking the decision today, Building a legacy head office will not have been a priority. However, this is a project that has been running for three years and about 50% complete. The bank is fully aware of its responsibilities to ensure that the costs do not escalate beyond reasonable levels and that many of the original design features, including the data center, the currency processing center, ICT equipment and specialized security features have or will have, have been deferred and only gray boxes provided for future use to manage costs. Did the Bank of Ghana go ahead to print money to finance government's operations? This is what the governor had to say. Now, when we talk about overdraft, it is not money that has been, the bank has gone to print and lending to government. Right, an overdraft is just lending, is an accounting entry, more or less, of debits on government's account. Right, so you know that as a central bank, we also have reserve requirements, for example, on commercial bank deposits. Commercial banks keep their reserves with us. Right? It's 10%, right? The reserve requirement is 10%. Those resources are here, in our boats, here. So we, we have the money. We don't have to go and print it. So there are two separate issues. I mean, the government spending that leads to debit the government account. If there is any need to make a payment, we have the money here on the basis of you know, monies that the central, I mean, the commercial banks have brought to us as reserve requirements, for example. Those are, you don't need to go and print money before you can lend money to government. They're completely unrelated. But I know it's just mischief when people try to say oh, they printed money. It's more sensational. From the boardroom here at the high street of the Bank of Ghana headquarters, this is George Jaffe reporting for Joy Business. Meanwhile, financial economist Professor Lord Mensah is questioning the propriety or the uh, propriety in using reserves of commercial banks to finance government's operations in 2022. Those, you know, reserves, are, deposit reserves, are purposely for, you know, exposures like, you know, the shocks that, you know, uh, banks are likely to receive when the economy starts to turn down. So, you know, using it to finance government activities. I, I asked myself a question whether the core mandate of those, you know, 10% deposit reserves 
was purposely to finance government reserve. And even if it's, it's, it's supposed to be used to finance government activities, was it supposed to go directly to the government? You see, that 5% limit that is placed for central bank to extend to the government, there is economic importance to it. When it comes to the central bank, central bank must, must maintain the economic resilience of the economy over a longer term, devoid of political regimes. If you are extending, you know, I mean, funds into the economy and you wire it through the channels of the fiscal corridors or through the government, you end up, you know, having monies going into sectors that are politically motivated. And as a result of that may not necessarily be productive, may not necessarily be, you know, something that will re-energize the economy for the economy to pick up again. But then on the other hand, if you wire it through an independent channel, which is the corridors of the bank, through, you know, um, in lower interest rate lending to the banks and other things, it has a way of building up into sectors that are most efficient in the economy. Mm. But from the theories and then the empirics that we study, the banks have that te the tendency to identify which sectors of the economy that are performing well. So to say that you are financing you know, government using commercial bank reserves, I, I hold a different view on that. Um, I don't think the purpose of that reserve is to finance government activity. Now, the governor of the Bank of Ghana, Dr. Ennis Addison, insists it kick-started the process to construct the new office building in 2019, arguing that he took funding from profits made over the years to finance the project. The Bank of Ghana has been given some more details in the following document that it has released. And I would like to share that with you. It says, in the year 2011, the board of directors of the Central Bank agreed that the bank must consider looking for a suitable land for the new headquarters. The board of the bank, at its 62nd regular meeting, directed the corporate management and services department of the bank on 18th December 2019 to initiate all processes for the development of a new corporate headquarters for the Bank of Ghana. And the statement goes on to read, the project site was officially handed to the contractor in March 2021 for commencement of preliminary site works and designs. The project consists of three main blocks, namely the tower, urban and amenities blocks, including basement, podium, and ancillary facilities. And that's what we have for you by way of Prime Business here on the Joy News Channel. Razak Musbao is next with the Prime Sports. The business segment was brought to you by Ecobank, a Pan-African bank. It's time you switch to Bell Park today. Hi, now let me share my wildlife experience with you at Safari Valley Eco Park. Welcome to Safari Valley Park. Our electric shuttle pulled up and in no time our tour began. We were surrounded by wildlife from the moment we entered the Eco Park. We were greeted by experienced tour guides who took us through orientation and how to better enjoy the experience. Watch these animals roam freely in their natural habitat and disturbed by our presence. We saw zebras, sable antelopes, brown cranes, mara, silky chicken, yalas, Shetland ponies and so many animals I just couldn't keep up. Our tour guides taught us so much about 
about the wildlife, their behavior, and how to interact with them. I even fed them. We also went fishing on a man-made canal. Then we took a break to have lunch in this serene environment. All this amazing experience for this prize for adults? This prize for teenagers. It's a bargain. As the sun began to set, it was time to go back home, but not before dinner by the campfire. It has been a thrill of a lifetime, and I can't wait till my next visit. Safari Valley Eco Park, bringing you closer to nature. Decades, we have helped businesses connect with their trade partners all over the globe. From Ghana to Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Benin, Togo, Senegal, China, Morocco, France, Netherlands, and many other countries. We have made it possible to bring Ghana to the world. We have brought small and medium businesses closer to their customers across the regions in Ghana with our SME support facilities. We have brought relief and smiles to the faces of families with our employee personal loans. With our cutting-edge technology and digital support, we take the burden of complex thinking off you, making life simple. That is who we are, as close as a partner. Bank of Africa. We are indeed the African bank with the global reach. Is our house. Let's keep it natural. Natural it is. <laughs> natural is definitely better. Fritally, the all natural fruit juice. This advert is FDA approved. your fridges. This outfit is FD. My name is John and this is my long time crush. 
my cookie dipped in strawberry yogurt. On this scorching hot afternoon on our way back from a long job hunt, we met this good Samaritan who offered us a ride. Six weeks later. And there she is, my cookie, dipped in someone else's yogurt. Don't be like John, who holds the mullah, calls the shots, play game by games, the easiest lottery to play and win. It's four numbers from zero to nine up to three times daily to become one of our daily lucky winners. Dial star nine four six hash to play now. Or you can also play online at www.gamepackgames.com. Gamepack is regulated by the National Lottery Authority. To Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbaut. Let's start off uh, with the World Athletics Championship uh, underway in Budapest, Hungary, where Botswana's 20-year-old sprinter Lesla uh, Letsal Tebogo made history in Budapest uh, on Sunday night, becoming the first African to win a medal in the men's 100-meter at the World Athletics Championship. Now, the 200-meter junior champion and record holder finished second behind American. Noah Laos in a huge new national record of 9.88 seconds in front of a park capacity of 40,000 crowd at a National Athletic Center. Now, Uganda's Joshua Sheptegi also delivered a devastating last lap to win a third successive world championship in the 10,000-meter uh, race over there. Well, my colleague Fencho Tahiro Fencho monitored all of this event and came through with this report. The 100-meter event was billed to be the Fred Kelly versus Noah Lyles show. But after the defending champions surprisingly failed to make the final, history beckoned for the winner and for the two Africans in the race, Kenya's Ferdinand Omanyala and Botswana's Lechile Tibogo, a podium place in itself was history. It was a challenge duly accepted by the 200-meter specialty Tibogo who's torn to a silver medal place with a new national record of 9.88 seconds, consequently becoming the first African to win a 100-meter medal at the World Championships. Um, it really shows that the continent has a lot of potential, you know, looking at the likes of Ferdinand and Akani. For me, I, would re I really wanted them to have this medal before me, but by the grace of God, I got it first. And... Um, so that I can come up knowing that, you no, know, I have two African brothers who got this medal and they really motivate me going forward. Great Britain's Arnold Hughes finished third behind him, 
Jamaica's Oblique Seville came through in fourth. The pair also finishing with the same time as the African, who just urged it by one thousandth of a second. It was how close the race was, but Lua Laos took the win, of course, and explained why he decided to double both the 100 and the 200. The double was important because I know in my heart of hearts, like Zarnell knows, he believes that I'm the fastest, period. But to be able to say that with the utmost confidence, I got to win the 100. And that's what today was. It was winning the 100. And I've known for a long time that I have so much more to give to this event. But I've just been giving a lot of it to the 200. And as people look back at this year, they're going to be like, this is the year that no one won the 200, the 100, and the 4 by one And they're going to be like, that is the start of a dynasty. Elsewhere on day two, Uganda's Joshua Cheptegei successfully defended his 10,000-meter title becoming the fourth person to win three straight World Championship gold medals in the event. It's been always a very turbulent moment for me, especially coming uh, back from the injury. And now, uh, what a way to end the championship with uh, a special medal, which is a gold. Gianmarco Tamberi and Mutaz Bashim made history at the Olympics when they shared the gold medal in the men's high jump. And that could happen again at these championships. Miller Weibo in lane three. The record breaker, the history maker. But there was no fairy tale story for Shonet Milawibo of the Bahamas. The 400 meter champion attempted to defend her world title just four months after she gave back. But it wasn't to be as she finished seventh down and out in her heat. From the National Athletic Center here in Budapest, I'm Fentu Tahir Fentu for George Sports. In the women's 100-meter final was Richardson, who emerged top in that race, winning gold. Jackson coming second, and Sherry Ann Fraser coming third. This is how the action unfolded. from that uh, Ghanaian long jumper Deborah Aqua she's been lamenting uh, the country's neglect despite sacrificing 
uh, competing through injury to win a bronze medal at the Commonwealth Games in 2022. Well, in an exclusive interview with Joy Sports, Fencho, Tahiru Fencho, at the ongoing World Athletics Championship in Budapest, Accra attributed her inability to qualify for the finals of the woman's long jump to an injury she has carried for more than one year. Right now, if I decide to still continue doing track, then I might need a little bit of help. I'm not asking Ghana to give me the whole money in the world. Like, you know, I'm saying help. I'm not saying give me, like, you know, like everything you have. Like support, so let me say that, support, just a little support. Because I'm already supporting myself. That's what I did the, throughout the whole season, you know. But it just wasn't enough. So and if, if the support doesn't come? If the support doesn't come, I'll still keep on doing my best. Yeah, so if my best doesn't take me to where I want to be, then I'll just be there. But I know I know that I can do the best to support. It's, I'm not the only one. Like, we all need help. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah, I think Ghana can do their best to, to kind of support us, you know. And then, because at the end of the day, if I had qualified, what would they say? It wouldn't be Deborah Aqua, but Deborah Aqua from Ghana. I remember last year when we, as Amati and I, were, I think, the world leader, world leaders. Okay, I remember. But we posted, you know, the former, uh, you know, uh, vice president posted. So it's not only going to benefit Deborah or my myself and my family but then Ghana as a whole yeah. so they then victory has if we friends. both are going to benefit then why not help push the talent yeah, so. That's a away from uh, athletics let's do some football now and news coming in from Manchester United is that Mason Greenwood is set to leave the club after some internal investigation into his alleged abuse of his girlfriend well the club did release a statement um, and uh, we have it on your screen shortly. And you can see the statement from the club, a statement from uh, the club. Let's just so, so this is also Greenwood responded to the uh, statement from the. Yeah, and uh, so Greenwood did respond, but the club released a statement before Greenwood's statement, and they indicated that uh, after the internal investigation, it was to. Uh, in the best interest of the player and the club for the player to continue his career elsewhere, away from the club. But the club also indicated that in the internal investigation that was carried out, uh, Mason Greenwood was found not guilty of any of the allegations that were leveled at him. And that's uh, something that Mason Greenwood has insisted, that he is not guilty of the allegations of having abused his girlfriend uh, that matter has since been thrown out of court uh, way back in February, but Manchester United continued to uh, look into the matter because the matter was not uh, concluded in a very uh, thorough manner, according to the club. So Mason Greenwood is leaving Manchester United. It lives to be seen where he will end up. We understand there's been rumours, uh, there's been interest from Saudi Arabia for him and also interest from Paris Saint-Germain in France, but it lives to be seen where he will end up as far as his future is concerned. He And uh, that is the uh, statement from the club. And you can see the second, the first. Okay, so uh, you can see that's a statement from Mason Greenwood. And uh, he says, uh, so um, So uh, the first paragraph says, based on the evidence available to us, to us, we have concluded that the material posted online did not provide a full picture and that Mason did not commit the offenses in respect of which he was originally charged. That said, as Mason publicly acknowledges today, he has made mistakes which he is taking responsibility for. So that's Manchester United statement there, profound, that based on the evidence available to them, they have concluded that Mason Greenwood 
is not guilty of the allegations that were leveled at him. And Mason himself did uh, release a statement responding to Manchester United's decision to terminate his uh, future at the club. And he said, you can see in the second paragraph, it says that uh, I was brought up to know that violence or abuse in any relationship is wrong. I did not do the things I was accused of. And in February, I was cleared of all charges. However, I fully accept I made mistakes in my relationship and I take my share of responsibility for the situations which led to the social media posts. I am learning to understand my responsibilities to set a good example as a professional footballer and I'm focused on the big responsibility of being a father as well as a good partner. So we'll wait to see where Mason Greenwood will end as far as his future is concerned. And that's where uh, that's all we have for you on Prime Sports tonight. We'll be back same time tomorrow, 8.30, with more in the world of sports. Please do have a lovely evening. Segments was brought to you by Mentor DBS Industries to Youth. Let's go to DBS Industries. Hey, Charlie, what number? The malaria really knocked you down, eh? Charlie, no joke. Fever, headache, vomiting, loss of appetite. I couldn't even eat my usual fufu. <laughs> you and your fufu. But I hope you got it tested before the malaria treatment. Yes, I did. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out malaria one time. When malaria strikes, take Malatu, containing Arthemeter and Lumefantrine. Comes in tablets and suspension for effective treatment of malaria. Great to have you back. Thank you. No problem. Malatu is suitable for adults and children. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemists Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. For crystal clear and thrilling podcasts and live shows, download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, MyJoy Online, Amazon services like Echo, Amazon Music, and Audible, Stitcher, Adam Online, Overcast, and Pandora. Take note of everything. Sign up for the multimedia digital platforms now to stay updated. Everybody came out, everybody's looking good, displaying their art, beautiful art everywhere. Um, this is my fifth year coming in a row. So I'm here every August for the festival. It's been amazing being with my black people all day, every day. It's been great. It's so fun here. There are a lot of art things to do. So I personally love it. And I love the artworks. I love Chalorate 2022. It's fantastic. This year's experience is, uh, is marvelous. It's amazing. It's Charlotte Festival, y'all. You ought to be here. The paintings, the people, the Ghanaians were awesome. 
Everyone, when you're in Ghana, around the same time, make sure you check it out. It's really happening. The death of a class 2 people of the local Jyotu DA Primary School in the Aguna East District of the Central Region brought the entire community on its knees. Gifty, a bright and promising people, had bought dreams of a future where she could make a difference as a policewoman or a medical doctor. The tragedy lies in the fact that these dreams will never be realized. On that fateful day, the circumstances leading up to Gifty's decision weighed heavily on her. Classes were cut short and students were sent home earlier than usual due to a strike by teachers prompted by the appointment of a new Director General of the Ghana Education Service. Gifty's reaction to the situation revealed a deeper emotional struggle. She confided in her friends that she intended to communicate with Jesus and perform an act that would be unheard of in her town. Some people blamed her death on the teacher's strike. They argued she wouldn't have come home that early to terminate her life if school was in session. But personally, I do not think so. This is a child who said she would talk to Jesus after school. I believe she would have taken her life even if she was in school. Looking at how it happened, some spiritual forces are behind it. Assuming it happened in school, it would have put teachers in the spotlight. News of the death of the minor spread like wildfire. Many residents, including her teachers, could not come to terms with the unfortunate happening. Assistant headmaster of the Dio to DA Primary School, Damienos Kokukofi was heartbroken. He was the last teacher to engage Gifty and other peoples of the school few moments before her death. This is something that nobody can ever understand because if a child like this can plan this, it's something that I cannot understand very well to explain because I don't know the reason behind if it is natural or spiritual for me comprehending that a child like this can do such a thing in fact it's something that i feel very sorry i feel very sad about 
It was the first time such a debacle has befallen the community and in the entire Duakwa Diotu area. Thousands of mourners gathered at Diotu, perhaps not to commiserate with a bereaved family, but to witness the funeral of a girl who took her life. As Akan custom demands, the casket containing the mortal remains of Gifty was never allowed into the community, but was met at the outskirts for burial. Elders believe allowing the remains back in the community could spell doom for the people. Family spokesperson Alaji Kwesi Boy Bukari sum up the family's frustrations. The family has lost a gem because of her demise. I took in food unknowingly yesterday. I am forced to drink hard liquor too I'm not used to. The family is really distressed. Can you imagine I have to be carried home from the cemetery? It is really difficult for us. Look at the large crowd that besieged the town to mourn this small girl. We will never forget how our daughter took her life. Unless maybe after our reincarnation. We cannot forget her. We would have considered it normal if she mistakenly took poison. For a child like her who lacked nothing to die this way, we will never forget. Though experts describe attempted suicide or suicidal thoughts as a complex mental health issue, Gifty's family, however, blames an unnamed spiritual force for being behind her actions. As someone can say, I see one from a man can say, and brother for the few school, Lebano. The girl is said to have told her friends after close of school she will do an extraordinary thing today and that she will communicate with Jesus. Based on this information, we were convinced her death has a spiritual link. It has no physical connotation. For a child to have happily said she would be speaking to Jesus means it is spiritual. Such beliefs often lead families to prayer camps and spiritualists in search of cure for a complex health condition that requires orthodox treatment. Prophet Stephen Kofima Fujinia is the general overseer and founder Bethlehem United Church at Kifu Praso. Prophet Marfu says he sees at least 70 people with all kinds of conditions, including those suffering from mental illness every week. With the help of Angel Joshua, I heal all manner of illness, including witchcraft, and also perform spiritual surgery on the sick. Prophet Marfu boasted. <laughs> Witchcraft is a condition that can be cured. God has endowed me with a gift to cure witchcraft. The healing happens live and colored. Through Angel Joshua, I'm able to heal many, especially on Wednesdays. Especially, you know, the man Wednesday, especially, 
Prophet Marfo claimed to be communicating with Angel Joshua, who was speaking to us at the same time. They have been coming here every day. So, if you are playing... They have been coming here every day. I told you that I have some angel called Angel Joshua. He talked to me, even once we are talking now, he's talking to me. He's the one who directs me to call all those under spiritual attacks or afflicted with mental health conditions, and they are delivered. You show me this person is attacked with a spiritual attack or some calamities is affected his mind. Prophet Marfo says there's spirituality attached to suicide, insisting spirits can force someone, and for that matter, a minor to take his life. As a spiritual person, I believe this as a spiritual link. No one stops himself unless something pushes him to. What is that thing that pushes the person? That is the spirit. People who suffer such attacks come here all the time. Through revelation, rat poisons, poisonous substance to be used by these people are destroyed. But district mental health coordinator, who doubles as head of the mental health unit at the Chufu Atimokwa District Hospital, Maria Musa tells me suicide cases are not among those referred by pastors to the health facilities. For suicide cases, they mostly don't call us to come and attend to. But cases that uh, the patient has psychotic symptoms, like depression, schizophrenia, and other mental con- mentally ill conditions, they call us to come and attend to. Yes. But for suicide, they don't actually call us to. I don't remember the time, the, a, a day a pastor calling us to come and attend to a suicide case. They have confidence that they can treat and people with suicidal issues or mentally ill patients. When you, when you uh, engage them, they, that is what they tell you. And then they can even give you instances that cases like that come and then they were able to take care of them and they recover and then they discharge them. They don't know what magic they do over there, but then that is their faith. So there's nothing we can do about that. Ours is to make sure they take their psychotropic drugs regularly. Suicide is not only prevalent among adults, but also among children as well. Though few of the attempted suicide cases end up at the hospital, the Chifu Atimokwa District Hospital recorded 22 attempted suicide cases between January and October 2022 alone. The facility is one of the hospitals across the country that pays attention to mental health and its clients, especially suicide. Ten cases, representing 45% of the cases, were below 19 years. Medical Superintendent Dr. Kojo Lindsay expressed worry about the situation. It definitely is a big issue because uh, if you look at the statistics, it's looking like we are getting two or three cases every month. Sometimes we get up to four or five cases in a month. And that is quite serious, of having about two, three, four people, five people trying to end their lives every month. And that's quite serious. So it's, it's a big issue for us. 
Attempted suicide cases are always given a prioritized attention. Immediately, some survivors are rushed to the emergency ward. It is always a Herculean task for the emergency medical team. The cost of treatment and its attendant costs are always expensive for the victims and their families. So why is autopsy so important in suicide investigations and findings of pathologies considered perhaps the last resort of police investigations in Ghana? Professor Paul Osai Sampini is a consultant histopathologist and a professor of forensic pathology. He's also the head of pathology department, KNUSD. You open the body, you look into the body, the organs, the various organs, maybe the heart, the spleen, the kidney, the liver, the intestines, and so on and so forth, the stomach. It tells you a lot. You open somebody's stomach, you see that the stomach appears so reddish. The foldings in the stomach are all gone. Okay? You look at the liver, the liver is saying something different. You look at the spleen, the spleen is saying something this. You look at the kidney, the kidney, it will give you an information as to how the, the person lived prior to his death or her death. So based on that, you draw conclusion. According to Professor Sampini, minors and teenagers who resort to suicide often regret such decisions. They portray this through a clenching fist. Unfortunately, such decisions are irreversible. So what they do is that you see... The person has the, the hand, just as I'm doing my hand here, the hand comes in this form, okay, and then it's, it's not, it's not straightened like this. The hand comes in this form, and then as if the person had wished that he could just lift the hand and then disentangle. So one of the signs to tell you that this person has had a regret of what he was trying to do. In the U.S., suicide is the 12th leading cause of death. 45,979 people died from suicide in 2020 alone. The country also recorded 1.2 million attempted suicides in the same period. That is according to the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Firearms accounted for more than half of all suicide cases recorded in the U.S. Dr. Opokuya Osei-Yabua is a doctor of public health in the U.S. She lost her 22-year-old son to suicide in the United States in August 2022. I received the news via the police. So after 24 hours of not being able to reach my son, I called for a wellness check. So overseas, you can call the police, hey, can you go in, officer, can you go into house number one and check to see if my family member is okay and whether they are safe. So that is how the news got back to me. So after they, they just found him. And so they, at first they said, we found him and he was deceased. And so my, of course, my heart jumped, I'm screaming, I'm yelling on the phone, I'm crying. Um, but then the, later on, when the coroner went to the site to examine was when they broke the news that in fact he had actually died of a suicide. I caught up with Dr. Opokuya, who is also Chief of Nursing Education, Research and Simulation at the Department of Veterans Affairs Hospital in Chicago at the beaches of Cape Coast. She says she has found solace in Beach Walk in memory of her son's tragic death. It puts me in a meditative state so I'm able to meditate and reflect 
on some of the good moments that I had with him. You know, he loved, when we came to Ghana all the time, he loved to ride the horses at the beach. He loved the beach water. Uh, my son lived in Ghana and went to school here for four years, so he's well known um, amongst our family and in, the, in our village, and they just love him. And he loves Ghana. He knows the culture. He knows how to cook the food and everything. So when I'm walking the beach, it, it puts me in a different place. Jared was a stellar student and academically disciplined who maintained an academic GPA of 4.0. He was awarded a Triton College Scholarship Program scholarship after high school in 2019. His parents and siblings, who are yet to come to terms with his death, have been left in a state of confusion. Death is death, but suicide death is a different death. Why is it different? Because... The loved ones left behind are left to ponder as to why. You can blame it on anybody, but yourself or somebody. So it's, that's why it makes it a unique death. If somebody killed or if they had a car accident, you can just say, oh, he was on his way to a different town and then he got, you know, rear-ended or T-boned by another vehicle and so he died of a motor vehicle accident but in this case it's unique and you you just wonder what was the person experiencing right why were you not available what could you have done differently to have helped the person and then you just keep wondering it never ends and the pain i just just can't describe little did the family know jared described as a complete student was battling with depression a mental health condition from his teenage days, something he kept from his relatives. He did actually start experiencing that and, you know, he never discussed it. But just combing through his stuff and some of the notes that he had left was able to confirm that he was battling depression and suicidal thoughts and he didn't know how to share it. Um, but I quite remember that he was, although... He was very enthusiastic. He was one of the kids that was very shy and almost very isolative in most instances. So all the time I had to call him to come out and do stuff. But I never connected the dots because he came out, he would do what he needs to do. But I didn't realize that when he was alone, he was struggling with his mind. He was battling his mind and he was in a really, really dark place. Um, that he never disclosed. I think he said 16, 17. Yeah. So he started when he was a teenager, like 16, 17, on and off, depressive thoughts, um, thoughts about um, suicide. He had suicide ideations, but again, he never opened up to share that story with us. But unlike Awo and several other parents who received no public support when they lost their children through suicide, Dr. Pokria's situation was different. She and Jarrell's younger siblings, who lived miles apart from the scene, were affected with a package of psychosocial support at no cost. Police in no time had completed investigations just two months after the incident, cutting short her grieving period. I've joined various support groups and, you know, all, all mothers and fathers that have lost their child to my similar situation. And it's really been helpful to talk to them, how they talk it out, and 
through that, we also get resources on how to cope. Yes, so I have other children, two other boys um, that are under the age of 18, and the school system has provided them with support. So they have one-to-one social workers that meet with them every week um, just to make sure that they are mentally stable and that how are they coping with the academics and things like that. And in my case also, I've reached out through my work. We have um, employee work-life balance um, program. So my employee referred me to um, employee assistance uh, program services where they linked me to some counseling services as well. So it's been great. So the support is there for sure. That is completely the opposite situation in Ghana, where families who lose their children to suicide are left to bear the pains alone with no state support. As researchers, what we have seen around the world, I mean, most of the countries that have repealed that law, we believe that we will begin to reap such benefits as well. And one of them will be that it will then force governments to invest into help-seeking infrastructures, uh, I mean, mental health generally. You go to other countries and they have, they have youth and children counselors dotted within communities. When it comes to even reproductive health, young people don't patronize the same facility as adults. So you have all of these kind of customized services to target certain groups. We don't have all of these things here, but we can do them. There is, however, hope for people with suicidal ideation and other mental health issues. The Mental Health Authority has introduced a life-saving intervention by offering persons who require psychosocial support the opportunity to call and receive instant advice from mental health experts. The call comes at no cost to callers. Health Minister Kwekwaji Maimenu says he is aware there has been an upsurge in the number of suicide cases involving children. We are very much aware. We have a whole agency that works in that mental health authority. Some time back, this thing was coming up. There was an upsurge. And the, the chief executive of that authority actually had to talk to the nation and things like that. Um, we need to get some reports from them at the moment. Whilst promising a nation on the situation, Mr. Menu, who is also a member of parliament for the Mar Central, described as prompter, details of our findings on how lives of children are being lost to suicide. We have created what we call the Psychology Council. It is working now. We are registering psychologists. Some of these challenges we need to resolve with some psychology advice and things like that. So we are head on with that. But you see, there are certain things that you wouldn't know immediately when it's mental disorders until something happens. But I think this is a prompter. Uh, we'll see how we can reconcentrate and put attentions in that respect. Central, Ashanti, Western, Eastern and Greater Accra regions are leading in the increasing rates of suicide in Ghana. Suicide is a grave concern that knows no age boundaries, impacting individuals from all walks of life. Disturbingly, recent data highlights that among children and teenagers most frequently employed are hanging and ingestion of poisonous chemicals. Particularly alarming is a revelation that young individuals in farming communities are more prone to using agrochemicals for suicide due to easy access 
often facilitated by inadequate safety precautions. Dr. Ruth Oswenji, President of the Psychiatric Association of Ghana, confirms my findings. Some of these poisonous substances are in the house, the rat poison, parazol. Um, about a third of all completed suicides are through pesticide poisoning. And as Africans, we are mostly farmers, especially those in the uh, rural areas. And these poisons are in the house. Nobody hides them away from the children. And they know if it can kill a rat or it can kill a pesticide, then if I want to die, that is possibly the go-to drug or the go-to um, means of, of ending my life. The stark figures paint a sobering picture of all the challenges faced by the youth across six different regions. While six young lives were cut short by hanging and one by self-harm, the overwhelming majority, 19 out of 26, chose the path of poisoning, a method that often leaves victims isolated and unaware of the potentially fatal consequences. Dr. Ruth Shalosaki, a child and adolescent mental health specialist at the Confanochi Teaching Hospital, helps with some answers. Sometimes they do it out of the spur of the moment. And most of the time, that's what happens. That is um, by both experience and then, you know, evidence based. So a lot of adolescents I've seen have just done it as a spur of the moment. That um, because this happened, I just felt that let me punish the parents by taking my life. Because they are really very impulsive. They don't process all their things thoughts and actions before engaging in them so that becomes a high risk factor for them though there are several factors linked to this new phenomenon opinions are divided over why children and teenagers take their own lives whilst health experts blame it on underlying mental health conditions some Ghanaians attach religious and cultural beliefs to suicide a family's religious or cultural belief on suicide does not only affect efforts to promote mental health, but also hamper police investigations into such deaths. The Center of Awareness Global Peace Mission has overall vision to help humanity attain peace. It has for the past 30 years helped develop programs that help to address social injustices and issues affecting well-being of humanity. It is headquartered in Wusukrum near Kepkos in the central region. It has been promoting peace in second cycle schools as well as the tertiary through the formation of peace clubs. Its president general, Professor Samuel Ato Duncan, tells me a person who takes his own life lacks peace. I call something contributory factorial circumstances. What contributed to what says? Now, if you um, follow or try to unravel the causes, you see that maybe the father is doing something, the mother is doing something that is causing that. So the contributing factorial circumstances is coming from an angle which is purely not res uh, the responsibility of the child. So whoever created a condition or circumstance that is taking the life of the person must rather be arrested but not the child. Yes, when a child feels that, oh, my, my father is bullying my mother too much, and every day I hear because I love my mother so much, so I want to leave this world just because of that. Should the child be arrested? It should be the father who has been beating them. So we have to find root causes to the problems these people go through first. 
before action is taken. Suicide, a topic often clouded in silence, has become a haunting reality for far too many young lives in our country. In the shadows of our digital age, a deeply troubling issue haunts the lives of countless teenagers in Ghana. Behind the carefully curated social media profiles and smiling faces lies a silent struggle that often goes unnoticed until it is too late. Suicidal tendencies among children are a growing concern and it's crucial that the country recognizes the signs and provides the necessary support. My name is Ohimin Teria for Joy News Hotline.